Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today is episode 45, and we're going to take a look at the American Train Dispatchers Association. It's a short one, but that's all right. We can definitely move right along. But first of all, I want to give a big shout out to my listeners, so let me go to my lovely list here. So let's see, big shout out to Oklahoma, New York, Texas, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Rhode Island and Virginia. That is wonderful. Okay, so let's go ahead and start on this one here. It is the American Train Dispatchers Department and Train Dispatchers. It was founded in 1917 and I'm looking at the emblem and it looks really neat. The only thing that kind of concerns me is that is that it looks slightly communist and it's because it reminds me of some of the emblems and logos from the USSR. Like I'm kind of surprised there's not a sickle or a hammer on it, but um it's still a neat looking logo. It's just it kind of reminds me of the USSR, which is concerning a little bit. Um but it says here they're headquartered it gives the street address, but it's headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. In the United States, they have locations in the United States. They have 2017, sorry, 2718 members. Uh key people is FL McCann president. They have affiliations with the AFL CIO. So let's go ahead and start on this one. It says here the American Train Dispatchers Association or Train Dispatchers is an American trade union representing railroad workers. The train dispatchers belong to the AFL-CIO as one of the organization's smallest members and I can see why because they have a little over 2000 members that's not a lot compared to what we have seen in the past and a memory just came to mind there was a girl um that was my lab partner in a chemistry class in college and her boyfriend um was actually going to school or a trade school to become a um not a railroad worker but one of the guys that is in charge of trains and things like that and i had no idea like a conductor or something i don't, i can't remember what it was but i just looked at her i was like they have schools for that they have a trade school she goes yeah she was i had no idea but it's something that she said that it was something that he's always wanted to do ever since he was he was a little boy so in high school i guess his parents encouraged him which is awesome because i think the worst thing a parent can do is say no you're not doing that you're going to do what we want I think it's a horrible evil thing to do to steal a child's dream and steal their ambition and just replace it with what you think they should do when you're not that person, you're not that child. But good for this guy's parents. They recognized that he was really interested in something. So they encouraged him and they said, "Hey, we'll look and see what programs you would like to take a look at. Is there a particular school, is it a trade school or a college?" But it actually is, I guess, a type of degree. I just don't know what kind of certification it is technically. But what's interesting is that he was going through that trade school certification while she was going to college, and I guess the the plan was, and they were very much in love with each other. So I have no doubt that they are married and probably have a wonderful and beautiful family. That I never met him, but I could just tell by the way she talked about him and um, just their relationship from what I gathered from her. It was a very kind and pleasant relationship. Like she was a goo goo gaga uh with her heads in the clouds. She was a very well-grounded individual. And I was like, "Man, she will make a guy a great wife." It was just she's a really I don't know how to describe it. She's what we call a keeper. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, I imagine this guy very much wanted to marry her. And so, um anyway, the plan was was that he would finish up his certification to be a train conductor or something or a train engineer, whatever it was called. And then she would finish up her degree 
and then they would move for his job because i guess whenever they, whenever they graduate from railroad school or whatever it's called they get moved around quite a bit in order to learn about different trains within the United States and sometimes within Europe but mostly this is predominantly in the United States because they have to learn about passenger trains that are more electric now as opposed to coal but then they also have to learn about trains that function predominantly on coal you know like coal that gets thrown into a fiery furnace that kind of thing to give it power you know just like we put fuel gasoline in our cars trains either have to be run by electricity or by a, a coal which is a type of fuel so that it moves so he had to learn both ways of operating a train and so whenever he graduated or whenever he graduates cuz i didn't see her after our class ended unfortunately but um i guess whenever he graduates he has to move based on what he needs to learn almost like an internship So it's a very difficult job. That's another thing. She, you know, when he first told her when they were dating that he wanted to do this as a career, she was very concerned for his safety because it's a very dangerous job. Like the number one thing that could happen to them is that they can fall off a train or they can get their leg or arm caught in a wheel and immediately get severed and they can die really quickly from bleeding out to death, like things like that. Like this is a very dangerous job working on trains. So that's why they have really good schooling, they have really good certifications and that's why they train them extremely well in different types of situations so that first of all the employees on the on the train are safe and they know what they're doing but also if something were to happen to a passenger or cargo or something like that they know how to handle it. So anyway, it's one of those things that, you know, we we don't really think about trains as a way of transportation these days because I would say the United States we predominantly drive our own cars. Well, per, you know, way back in the day, if you look at this, I'd say the 1960s and back, most people did not have their own car. I mean, it was considered a luxury, I think, 1950s and back, but it was one of those things that we didn't have all these highways just yet, not till like the 60s and 70s because that's infrastructure. And so, I mean, I could speak to Oklahoma on this one. we're still building some of our highways and redoing some really old ones and some of our bridges are really bad like they're missing chunks of cement on the underside <clears throat> on the underside of the bridge excuse me my voice is a little weak this morning because it's cold outside but some of our bridges like i look at our bridges when i'm driving cuz i'm like i'm so glad i wasn't driving under this bridge when that big old hunk of cement just dropped I mean it's some of our bridges actually a lot of them need to be redone but that's infrastructure so what we take for granted or what we forget is that the mode of transportation way back in the day was that people took the train they didn't have a car and also if there wasn't necessarily a train that was close to them they would take a bus to the train to travel across country and things like that cuz i had relatives way 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 back in the day that you know they lived up here in Oklahoma but they didn't always want to drive down to Texas to see our relatives so they they just jumped on the train and there I was like there was a train that went from Oklahoma City to Dallas and they're like yeah that was how it was done back then like you like if you wanted really good uh, merchandise or if you wanted a, a really fancy fur the best furs were sold either in Dallas Texas Los Angeles or New York City so the closest fur place or the closest place where you could buy like marble or really nice furniture things like that you would get on a train in Oklahoma City and you would go down to Dallas Texas buy your merchandise 
And if, if you could take it back with you, you would. But if it was too big, like furniture, you would have it shipped back to Oklahoma City to wherever you lived. That's how things were done, like, way back in the day. So, anyway, you know, trains still are operational. I think more so now they do more cargo-type stuff. I think that's one reason why when we see trains, I don't think they look very pretty, like back in the day. Well, it's because they don't look very pretty or elegant. It's because they're not passenger trains. Then also with the electric trains that we have, I think they're called Amtrak or something like that, um, I wish that they would make them beautiful, Like, like they did back in the Victorian era. Because I think if you're going to build something, make it beautiful, make it elegant, even if it's just for the masses. And I don't mean that negatively, but I think a lot of times whenever companies are building things and they're, they're just building it and they're, they're just going to make it the economy version, I say go for the best, even if it's predominantly for the same people every day or maybe it's people that can't afford luxury. Why not make it affordable? Because then they will use your services more. Like, we are very fortunate in the United States. I can't speak for other countries because, again, I haven't lived in other countries. But in the United States, we are very fortunate that it doesn't cost a lot to make something look luxurious these days because our economy is so good. And we have access to a lot of different goods these days that they did not have access to back in the Victorian times. Also, there were materials that were not produced back then that we have today. So, for example, let's say you are redoing your house and you want a really beautiful kitchen. You know, you want something that's like super swank, meaning like really luxurious looking. But, you know, say, for example, you don't live in like a five-star neighborhood, but you want the five-star look inside your house, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You can easily go to Lowe's. They have all these different kitchens all these different cabinets, and based on what you want, you can buy it. It's very affordable. Like, stuff is not as expensive as it used to be, so it's easier to make your home and to make your life what you want it to be. And I'll give an example. Sometimes you can buy really nice pieces of furniture on Wish, which is an app, or you can buy it on Etsy. I love Etsy. It's a great app. And what's really neat about buying furniture from Etsy.com I would go through their app because it's way easier than their website. And that's not negative towards Etsy, but I've noticed that whenever I go to a website on my phone, it really drains my battery. So that's why I like going through the app because it runs a lot better, a lot quicker. But anyway, when you purchase furniture or you purchase anything on Etsy.com, 99.9% of the time, you are helping a small business owner do business. You're helping keep them afloat and you're helping to feed their family. So just because they're on Etsy doesn't mean that they don't have a nice storefront. But also, they might just only do business online due to COVID-19. You know, just because someone loses their storefront or their business, like their physical location, that doesn't mean that they can't do business online. So I would encourage you, this is a side note, that if you're looking for really beautiful furniture, really neat, unique things, one of a kind, I would check out Etsy.com. And plus, the most expensive thing you'll probably pay for is shipping. But even then, you can always negotiate with the seller on that, big time. And another thing you can do is you can actually look up your own shipping method. Like, you can rent an, a truck and have them go pick it up for you, like a moving company. So you can get different rates, whether it's national, like a national company, or a local company. Or you can go get it yourself. Like, if it's just across the state line and you have a truck and a trailer... And you don't mind driving to go get some? Hey, that's easy peasy. 
or you might find a seller that's actually selling stuff within your own town. That's really good as well. So that's just a side note. But anyway, in terms of trains and and things like that, I wish that they would make them beautiful. Cuz I actually would go on more train rides if it was something elegant, if it was joyful, if it was fun. I mean, I don't want to go on a train that feels like I'm on a local commuter bus. Because typically you're stuck on a train for several hours. So if I'm going to be stuck somewhere, I want it to feel like I'm not stuck. I want it to be a service. Like I actually wouldn't mind. I don't know if you've ever heard of Hikyu Prawo, but that is a series of books that was written by Agatha Christie and the BBC um well I say the BBC the the British have really done a great series of him and I think the best Hercule Poirot is uh portrayed by David Suchet and so whenever he travels on trains I love the trains that he is traveling on in those episodes but they're they're from the time period of the 30s or 40s And what's interesting is that even back then in the 30s and 40s they had nicer stuff than we do today because they made stuff to last in that era and they wanted it to be beautiful. So what's interesting is that whenever you see David Suchet uh, playing the role of Hercule Poirot and he's on a train, more than likely he's on a very nice train, which of course does cost money, but if you want something, you will work for it and you will pay for it. So it's it's an investment. But anyway, You see where he's being served soup, he's being served wine, he probably could order champagne, things like that. I'm like, I would totally pay for that. Like I actually wouldn't care what the cost is. I would actually not mind paying a lot of money if I know that the service is really good. As opposed to feeling like I'm just being transported on on a bus. I don't mean anything negative towards a bus, but there's a difference in the service and there's a difference in the environment. kind of thing. But anyway, I wish our trains were like that because then I actually would make it a point to use trains more often as opposed to driving everywhere. So that's just my personal opinion, but that's just me. So let's go on and talk about it talks about their jurisdictions here, which sometimes there can be tiffs with unions. We've seen that in the past. So it says here uh AATDA operates mostly as a craft union representing railroad dispatchers. specialized forms of dispatchers including trick train dispatchers, night chief dispatchers and assistant chief dispatchers are also members of the union. The organization also represents the crafts that provide power to electrify trains mostly on commuter lines. That's what I was talking about. The titles in this jurisdiction are our power supervisors, power directors and load dispatchers. On short line railroads, the organization acts as more of an industrial union and also represents trainmen, uh, engine men, maintenance of way employees and uh, mechanics and clerical staff. So let's see here it says the train dispatchers hold collective bargaining agreements with the following companies. So let's take a look at this. It says Alaska Railroad, Amtrak, Burlington Northern and Santa Fe Railway, Belt Railway of Chicago, Conrail Shared Assets, CSX, Grand Truck Western Railroad, Indiana Harbor Belt Railroad, Kansas City Southern Railway, Massachusetts Bay Commuter Railroad, Metra, Montana Rail Link, New Jersey Transit, Norfolk Southern, PATH as in P-A-T-H, SOLINE as in S-O-O, it's either SOLINE or SOO-LINE, I'm going with SOO. known as CP, 
South Shoreline, Staten Island Railway, Terminal Railroad Association of St. Louis, and Wisconsin Central Limited. And it says some of the history here. The union was founded in 1917 at a convention in Spokane, Washington. An earlier organization called the Train Dispatch Association of America preceded the establishment of the ATDA by 27 years. During the Great Railroad Strike of 1922, the train dispatchers did not participate, but neither would they perform work of other unions. That's very interesting there. So, I think it's one of those things where this is a small one because trains are not as common as they used to be. We still have trains, but it's not it's not going to have the huge labor force because it's not really like what it used to be. Like I know some relatives in my family that, you know, when they went off to college, this was back in the 60s or 70s, who had been the 60s technically, the 60s. Um they they decided to go to college. And so instead of driving to college because it wasn't common for your children to get cars, like maybe they had a bicycle, but you know, if your child was going off to school, they took a train. Well, some of my relatives in the 60s when they went off to college, they basically packed a suitcase, their parents took them to the train station, and the train took them to the town of the college and then they had to find a way to get to the college, more than likely rented a cab or maybe they met someone there that was already in school and took them to the dorm, things like that. So whenever my relatives want to come home for Christmas or holidays, they would take the train back home to Oklahoma City or Edmond wherever it was, you know, wherever the case may be. So trains were more common back then. So if you think about it, when you have more passenger type trains, there's going to be more employees in that field. Why? Because passengers they're not the same as cargo, not by any means. So when you have passengers on a train, it's almost like a cruise ship. You know, cruise ships You know they employ probably a minimum of 800 to 1000 employees on cruise liners. Cuz think of that, you have chefs, you have people that move um the luggage, you have people that clean the rooms, you have the performers. Those are just the employees and that's quite a bit. Well, let's look at it from a different point of view. If you have a ship, not a cruise ship, but just like a cargo ship, you're not going to have as many employees as a cruise ship because you're not having to meet the needs of people, you're just moving cargo. And we've seen that with the was it the longshoremen union which that's one of the ones that irritated me because they were they were one of the people that they get paid almost equivalent to a doctor even though they're not a doctor. But anyway, the reason why there are not as many people on a ship that moves that moves cargo is because it's not the same as a cruise ship where you actually have you know pedestrians and people and passengers on a cruise ship and that's why they're there is to be entertained to be fed also to go see the sights things like that like it's more how word this when you have a ship or a railroad that is more passenger based like more people based that's when you're going to have more employees as opposed to when you are more cargo based or more cargo driven so that's probably why this union does not have very many workers or doesn't have very many members but i guarantee you if trains were to have more passenger trains and and then be actually really nice like really swanky nice trains like they used to be then we would probably see a spike in membership of unions and associations like this because you would actually have more employees that are actually involved in that trade and that's how they are earning their living if that makes sense So but anyway, um let me see what the next union will be that we will take a look at. 
And I will double check and always make sure that we're not um, redoing these. The next one is the Associated Actors and Artists of America. And then there's some others listed right below it. Oh, there's the Guild of Italian American Actors. That one will be interesting. That's like three episodes ahead. But anyway, so that is it for today's lovely podcast. As usual, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Waves transform the earth.